Good evening, good morning, good night, good second breakfast. Whenever you are, wherever you are, my name is Laura Gonzalez and I welcome you to Lunatic Mondays on CSMP, the Circle Sanctuary Network podcast. Tonight I have a, for real, great freedom friend of mine, and it's not that all my other uh, guests are not my friends, but Blake and I know each other for like 10 years. Anyway, let me tell you about him. Blake Miley a Michigan native, has been a practicing witch since childhood. As a self-proclaimed oddball, Blake has always had an affinity for the other world and tends to incorporate his spirit allies into his practice whenever he can. When he's not working magic, he can generally be found spending time at Malloway Brothers, his Chicago-based witchcraft shop that co-owns with his brother, Wick. Both Blake and his brother make a point to travel to Cornwall, England, several times a year to disconnect from the hectic city life for a bit. While out there, they make a point to connect with others, witches, with other witches to learn other points of view on the craft and new ways of making magic. Blake currently resides in Highland Park, Illinois, with his spoiled cat, black cat, Fiends. Fiends, did I pronounce that correctly? You did, you did, Fiends, that's my little baby girl. Welcome, welcome to the show, how are you, honey? Good, how are you, Laura? Um, you know, I'm puzzled because I cannot believe that we've known each other for so long. And that I yeah. invited you to the show. Like, this is ridiculous. But it's, I think it's been longer than 10 years, though, um, now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, because it's since you moved to Chicago, basically. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, no, I think you're about 10. That's just crazy that it's been that long. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm not in my 20s anymore. Uh, tell me about it. I'm, not, I'm basically jumping <laughs> 50 very, very soon. <laughs> and, uh, but so for people that don't know you, uh, tell us about how did you get into witchcraft? Like how you always knew you were a witch? Yeah, well, it's it's one of those weird things where um, I felt like I've always known I was a witch. But when I was five or six, I wasn't running around saying that what I was doing was witchcraft, if that makes sense. Um, you know, one of my favorite stories of my childhood and, I, you know, my family still owns the house to this day, so I can verify that this is true, is, um, you know, when I was a kid, five or six, I used to climb in a tree that was growing outside our house um, in the front yard. And this was um, a hawthorn tree. And I don't know if you've ever seen a hawthorn tree before, but it is covered in thorns, like two, three inch thorns. Like it's not a very friendly tree to look at. But I vividly remember climbing up in the branches of this tree, hanging out in the branches all afternoon and um, never once got poked or scratched or um, hurt by this tree otherwise. And, um, you know, then you study the folklore and the mythologies of these trees going like later on in life when you start practicing the craft and you see that it has a strong affinity to witches, um, the other world, the fairy folk and things like that. It's like, oh, it's just things like that that have always been um, um, at the forefront of what I was doing. And, uh, a less popular one by my parents was this little pet toad that I used to keep. Um, yeah, there was this pet toad that would just hop up to the door every morning when I would leave for school. And um, I made friends with it. I gave it a home. I offered it water. <laughs> I would tell it about my day. 
And it was probably one of the weirder things that I do. But then you you realize, um, you know, later on in life that the toad is associated with witch initiation. And I, I had a lack of a better word, a relationship with this toad. Um, you know, and then as you like you study later on, and that's when you start formalizing and connecting the dots and you realize, oh yeah, what I've been doing my whole life is witchcraft. Mm-hmm. That is wonderful. I you are one of the most powerful witches that I know and uh um, oh, well thank you <laughs> I, I remember when we were at person who we're not gonna name name house and we were doing a spell and then Blake opened some portals or whatever and I'm like dude <laughs> this is too much it was it, okay. was it was so much fun um to to practice alongside with you and so you've been practicing basically all your life yeah yeah as long as i can remember like there hasn't been a time where i wasn't doing something that could be perceived as witchcraft and did you grow up with any said religion at home did you have like a religious practice or what kind of you know we we went to to church and stuff like that as um as need dictated, I suppose is the best way to put it. Like we weren't habitual churchgoers, um, but I think uh, the religion, and I'm using air quotes, I know everybody can't see this right now, that um, that we were you know, told to follow was, you know, do the right thing because it's the right thing to do, not because you're afraid of going to hell. Um, and I think with that kind of upbringing, in my opinion, it kind of led me to develop and explore my craft a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, there was a religion in the household. If somebody asked, we would say, oh yeah, I guess we're a Catholic household. Um, but there wasn't like any formal Catholic processes or beliefs or customs or anything like that. You're the first person that I met uh, because back in that day, I was heavily Wiccan, right? Yeah. And I say this not with this name, but with, with lots of love. You know, my first introduction to um, magic and witchcraft as a spiritual practice was through the religion of Wicca. You were the first person that I've met that were not religious without you practicing witchcraft, but it's not a religious aspect of it for you. Can you expand on that for people that probably don't know how that works? Yeah. Thank you for that question. It's an important one. And one that we literally uh, talk about um, daily in our shop. Um, So uh, I, like a lot of young witches here in the States, probably got started on, you know, Wicca, Scott Cunningham, Ray Buckland, things like that. That, That's what we had available. That's what we had accessible. And somebody might have to fact check me on this. um, But, you know, one of the reasons that that, um, Wicca was so prevalent in the States is because, you know, Raymond Buckland, when he was studying with Gardner, he came over to America, brought all of his writings and teaching that became widespread. And that's kind of what we understood to be witchcraft. Um, But what we don't always necessarily see looking at the service of Wicca is that there's an entire history before Wicca was conceptualized by Gardner. And that does not discredit or devalue um, Wicca in any way, shape or form. It's a beautiful religion. The The rituals are absolutely beautiful. Um, but what I didn't want to do was go from one religion into another, like just kind of jump, you know, like I, I already had the re- the religion, quote unquote. Um, so I wanted something that was just a little bit more, um, a little bit more, um, I'm trying, I'm struggling to think of the word for it, but just not so structured and a little bit more 
fluid, um, which is why I started exploring, you know, what witchcraft was like before Wicca became became popular. Um, and yeah, I, I think every Wiccan is a witch, but not necessarily every witch is a Wiccan. And um, yeah, for me, it's it's more about like, um, I don't necessarily just want to say operative and, you know, focusing on results, but it's more about, you know, getting your hands dirty with practice. It's more about that connection to the spirit world as opposed to just being spiritual. Does that make sense? It, it makes a lot of sense. And I love that I heard once again, the phrase that I've heard you say for a decade, um, every Wiccan is a witch, but not every witch is a Wiccan. And I think it's good that people understand and comprehend that there are more ways of being a witch than there are people on the planet because- yeah. You have Catholic witches, you have Jewish witches, you have um, agnostic witches, you have witches of yeah. all flavors and colors. Well, and then I get I get frustrated. One of my personal pet peeves is when I hear people like bad mouthing Wicca. I'm like, okay, fine. You're not Wiccan. I get it. You don't have to like cause a ruckus over it. Just let people do their thing. And um, you know, it's 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 just uh there are, you're right. I mean, there's a different way to practice the craft for every person on the face of the earth. And I feel like, you know, there's a lot of like people judging other people because they choose to be Wiccan or they choose to follow the Wiccan reader. They choose to do this. They choose to do that. It's like, it just doesn't matter. Like if you only focus on yourself, focus on your craft, focusing on doing what works for you, everyone's going to be a lot happier. And, um, but yeah, I mean, no one is right or wrong in, in how they're practicing, worshiping, creating magic, casting spells or anything like that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's great to, in my case, you know, and in, in this very moment, it's great to know that people who listen to the show, they might be like, oh, but I don't abide by the truthful law, or I don't want to celebrate eight sabbats, or um, the sabbats, or the sabbats, or whatever. And you don't have to. I mean, you have to do what yeah. makes you happy, you know? You know what always, um, when I hear people talking about let people have nice things, I always yeah. talk about the uh, pumpkin spice and how oh. when the season for pumpkin spice and everybody's like, oh my God, you know, like let people enjoy what they like and be who they are and have fun. Yeah. Oh my, I'm one of those people. I'm one of those people that has to have my pumpkin spice latte every like September 20th, whenever it drops, like that's me. Yeah. <laughs> Just let me drink my PSL in peace. <laughs> and, and what's wrong with, um, you drinking your latte the way you want it and i drink my coffee with lots and lots of milk sumi <laughs> um what does that affect other people you know like it really does not affect other people and we all have to kind of like get on that wavelength that uh i've been saying uh blake for the last i don't know seven years since i learned the phrase the four most magical words are you do you boo <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> do you and then let me do me and and yeah. happy you do you boo i like that that's I, that's so true <laughs> i love it i love it i heard it from my friend rosé and uh rosé thank you for teaching me that because it i have implemented that wholeheartedly on all my teachings you know like do what makes you happy and do what empowers you and what makes you a better person you yeah know? And speaking of empowering people, you have the shop. We're going to talk about the shop, but 
the way you are empowering witches to come and practice with y'all at this shop. I love it. But before we get into the nitty gritty of that, uh, how did the shop came about with your brother? Like what? When I turned yeah. out, suddenly you have a shop, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it, 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 God, it's such a long convoluted story. And I would almost venture to say that it, it happened by accident. Um, so we knew that we wanted to host workshops. We wanted to start building a community for um, ourselves, right? Like, you know, if people that maybe have the same beliefs that we were, that maybe were looking for that more, um, you know, a different type of outlet for their craft that they weren't able to find in some of the other existing groups. And so we started on, um, we had a very small, small, small studio up in Rogers Park, like a small office space. It was probably like 15 not even like 10 feet by four feet across. Like it was a baby, like it was tiny. And this was pre COVID. Um, And uh, we would host little workshops through there in the first floor of this apartment building where the office was. And um, we started off with like one person showing up for our first event. And then it just kept growing and growing and growing. And eventually we outgrew the space. You know, we would be turning 20, 30 people away for these events because the space could only hold 10 people plus us, you know. Um, Our lease ended there and we were looking around and as fate or as magic would have it, I should should say, we found our first um, storefront. And the lease or the rent was not much more than we were spending on the studio. And, you know, Wick and I were like, you know, Wick is the, the one that that boy's brain, I'm telling you, he can see something and then draw it and just bring it to life. But me, I'm like the numbers one. I'm like, you know, we would only have to do a little bit of retail on top of our workshops in order to, to sustain this at the level that we were sustaining it previously. And uh, we took a risk. We did it. We took a risk. Like we were, we marketed ourselves like, yeah, it's not about the store. You know, there's plenty of great occult stores in Chicago. Um, like we want to focus on the events and we did. And then COVID hit, <laughs> we couldn't do events anymore. Um, so we had to change our approach to that pretty quickly if we wanted to, to keep things going, um, which is how we really started getting as comprehensive as we are with our, our retail offerings. Um, and then after the restrictions started to ease, you know, we had all of our retail that we had really polished in on. We had all of our events that were really operating it like, I mean, so highly. Um, and we just continue to grow from there. And that's how we're in the space that we're at now. And it's a wonderful space. And I have to say, if I may, Blake, real quick, uh, I'm there right now. We are there. We are here, yeah. but we are there. <laughs> so we are there. Why, Laura? What the heck is Laura talking about? <laughs> um, the, the brothers have been gracious enough to allow me to hold services there. And after a long hiatus, because I when COVID hit myself, I stopped offering rituals and the brothers have allowed me to host new moon ceremonies there at the Malaway brothers. So today, January 23rd at this very hour, uh, we are at Malaway brothers celebrating the new moon or new moon ceremony. And I want to say thank you, Blake. And thank you to your brother Wick for allowing me to do this. Uh, we're going to hold those ceremonies monthly. Uh, we're also going to be doing tarot readings there regularly. Stay tuned for deets. And yeah. it is great that you have also all all kinds of events happening there. Book sign-ins, uh, classes, readers. 
Tell us a little bit about the events that are happening there. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I, I, oh my gosh, our calendar is so diverse. We hold events for every full moon. We do open rituals every full moon. Um, we do charge like a small fee on those to help us kind of like recover the cost of like the supplies and tools. And it also helps ensure that like the serious, like, um, you know, you're not going to get some of the, uh, for lack of a better term, like the, the people that want to mooch or take advantage. Right. Um, exactly. Yep. yeah. Um, and then, um, for the Sabbaths and the high holidays, those are all open to the entire community, like no charge for those. Um, we have 50, 60, 70. I mean, our biggest one was about 150 people that came out for one Sabbath and um, it's a little crazy. Like we were filtering in between the store and like the um, alfresco space, like across the street from the shop. And um, yeah, so those are some of like the rituals that we'll host. And then as far as the workshops go, I would say the workshops are some of my favorite because, you know, Wick and I, we each take turns like setting up the calendar of workshops for every for each month. And we choose topics that, you know, really kind of cater to, to us um, or really kind of like just cater to our, our interest. And because of that, it's like, you know, our area of expertise is what we can talk about. We can really teach about it. And then um, we really make a point to not only just have a lot of good, valuable, like high quality information, but we also make every workshop um, hands-on. Right. So there's a hands on component to everything that we're doing, whether it's creating a charm, doing a group ritual based off of the teaching, casting a spell or making a potion. Like there's always something hands on to do. Um, I would say that my the October calendar, though, is my absolute favorite. Naturally. Right. Halloween. you got to do the good stuff. We do our spirit circle every year. We actually take a small group of people out into the um, cemetery and we teach them how to work with the spirits graveside. Um and uh, Graceland Cemetery has been absolutely amazing for that. So for all your burial needs, like we highly recommend Graceland. Um, you know, they're so supportive of like the pagan community and stuff like that, which, which has just been refreshing. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's, they're, it's so, such a diverse calendar. It's so, so great. It is great. And, and again, I'm, I'm very grateful to be, you know, that is my home from now on. Uh, like I say, starting today, and yes, we charge a little fee because, of course, we have to re recover costs. And for people who don't know, I still have a master flying on a broom. So, you know, Uber and Lyft, <laughs> they cost money. Yeah, it's but, not cheap. <laughs> but other than that, you know, it's, it's very, very affordable for most people. Um, and I hope that you join me. I'm going to be there doing new moons. New Moon on Mondays, and, and I call it New Moon on Mondays, like the song, and I'm like, yeah, it's like the song. I don't care. I'm showing my age. So we're going to be doing that. Tell us a little bit now. I, I really want to talk about this little book, and I'm doing big air quotes because that's head, animal skulls, and witchcraft, and spirit work. I have to tell people, this book is very small physically why you pack on this book blake it's uh it's a kick no oh, thank you, you. <laughs> i mean first of all and this is no secret for anybody everybody knows that i'm a low uh slow reader it has to do with being esl you know it takes me longer to read things um and when i grab the book i'm like oh good it's a small book I, i'm sure i can read it uh 
I couldn't put it down. (laughs) (laughs) So I did write it on a day. Yay. And you pack so much in this book. It's an amazing book. So I know what inspired you, but for people that haven't got their hands on the book, what inspired you to write this book? Yeah. So um, I think, oh my gosh, COVID, COVID, COVID. I feel like that's all we can talk about going into COVID. That's all we can talk about coming out of it. But um, COVID like really, really forced me to like connect with the spirit world. Like I'm a very social person. Like if you come in, I will talk your head off. You got to tell me to shut up. Um, so, you know, when I, we couldn't be around people or talk to people, like naturally I started talking to the spirit world. And, um, you know, that was a big part of the, the motivation for, for writing the book was like, yeah, like I'm having all of these amazing experiences when I really can't do anything but explore the other worlds. And part of it was like, you know, I don't want to forget this. Like, I want to write it down. I want it to be memorized. Like, I want to keep like a record of everything that I'm doing to connect with like the spirit world. And, um, um, you know, death's head was like the manifestation for that. And, you know, I'm I'm sure we'll talk about it, but like, you know, we also have our, our publishing company, um, cross crow books, which is just like kind of exploded in the best possible way. Um, and like we wanted to do one book on our own just to see if we if we could get a book out there. Like, can we actually get a book designed, printed and into stores? And um, so that was kind of like our way to like rip the Band-Aid off and, and just see if we could. Um, so it was a mix of, you know, wanting to kind of like keep track of my own experiences, my own styles and rituals and um, and see, you know, if we could make this publishing dream that we had a, a reality. So this is the first ever cross scroll books. That's the first one. Yep, I think it came in around thirty thousand words or so. Um, you know, we typically aim for around like sixty thousand, sixty-five thousand for our manuscripts. So that was the very first one that we ran through cross scroll. Yeah, that is amazing. I love, love, I love that that historical part of it. That your book was the first one. That is yeah. pretty cool. Um, Thank you. I love all the rituals that you put here, all the uh, recipes and everything. And I'm a chicken. I will never do it. <laughs> I'm too. That's not my practice. But again, everybody has their practice. Um, speak to us a little bit about the misunderstood yeah. part of necromancy. Yeah. So everyone thinks, ooh, necromancy, raising the dead, right? Um and that's part true. No, I'm just kidding. No, necromancy is not so much about like just raising the spirits of the dead. It's 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 about communion with the dead. It's about um, partnering with the dead. It's not about commanding or controlling the dead in any way, shape, or form. And I think that's one of the, the biggest misconceptions about, about spirit work. And I talk about this a little bit in the book, but, um, you know, the spirit world has something to gain from working with us, just like we have something to gain working with the spirit world. And it is my belief, just want to preface this by, you know, this is just my point of view, um, that, you know, we partner with the spirit world for um, wisdom, guidance, spells, power, whatever the thing might be, um, whatever that the need might be. And then the spirit world in return, you know, they, they get our offerings, they get wine they get food they get met like us thinking about them like our emotional investment and um and these are things that the spirit world can't get without human involvement and that's the wholeness and freshness of life you know like the spirit world cannot 
experience life without human interaction. Um, and that's where that win-win partnership between us and the spirit world comes into play. And they said, uh, God created men and men returned the favor. Right? Yeah, right. Like, so we are in a way, I love how you phrase it, you know, bringing life to the spirit world. And yeah. when I say I wouldn't do it is I wouldn't do it for I don't have the discipline for I don't have the time. Thank you, God. It's I'm busy all the time. And, and yeah, or I guess I wouldn't make the time. It's just not part of my practice. But I love how you speak about um, having discipline, doing this kind of work. So for people that haven't read the book, because you yeah. and I are talking about the book already and we haven't said what the book is about. So give us a snippet of what the book is about. Yeah, so the book really is focused on um, using animal skulls as a vessel to hold and house spirits and work with spirits. Um, you know, and, and I think you're you're absolutely right about the discipline for it. Like, you can't have a kid and then forget about the kid. Well, I guess you could, but it's not recommended, right? Um, so, like, if you're going to partner with the spirit world, like, it's it's a partnership. You can't, you got to fulfill your end of the deal. You got to, if you're going to make an offering on a Tuesday, you got to, follow through with that offering on a Tuesday. And um, you've really got to deliver on the commitments that you make. Otherwise, you're going to find that you're not really getting a lot out of, out of the book, out of the work, you know. Um, and it takes time. It takes time to build up that trust and that familiarity with the spirits. It's not something that happens overnight. You know, my, my favorite example of this is if I walked up to a complete stranger on the street and said, can I borrow 20 bucks? They would say, you know, get the hell away from me, Blake. But if I said, hey, Laura, can I borrow 20 bucks? You'd say, sure. Absolutely. Yeah, pay it back next week. Um, and that just attests to our, our 10-year history of knowing each other, <laughs> right? Right. right. Um, so it's it's the same it's the same deal when working with the spirit world in my opinion you got to put in the work and fulfill your end of the you know air quote deal um to get what you need out of it mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people have this idea of because you're throwing out there words that are for people misunderstood you know like necromancy and uh giving life to the spirit and the skull being the vessel and my question will be, how is that different from having a statue in yeah. which you set up flowers every month and light a candle? Like, what that is what I do. And yeah. when I was reading the book, I was reflecting on, like, it's the same thing. It's just the practice is different. You know, it's, it's just the structure different. Yep. And I have... um. I have a, a spell on there that I, I really love. And every time I do this spell, I, I, it just blows my mind how intense it is. And it's to actually have dialogue with the spirit. And part of the ritual involves holding the skull, like the mouth up to your ear. And I kid you not, like when you start going into your trance, when you start your chanting and then you stop and you be silent, you can literally hear the voices emanating from the skull and like filling your mind. It, it's the most unsettling unnerving and incredible experience ever um but again it takes work to get to that point you know what i mean and um i also talk about this too like the the whole idea of skulls comes from the fact that they once sustained life right and if they were there to support life they're the seed of consciousness for for every creature um except octopus which i learned um <laughs> well i learned that on tiktok so maybe you know fact check that too but um you know, the, the whole idea is it, it sustained life, it contained the brain, it contained the seed of wisdom, and all of that kind of ties in together to really enhance the information and, and knowledge that you're getting out of, of, out of this type of relationship. 
And it's amazing. I think it's, like I said, you know, not part of my personal practice. I just don't go to cemeteries. I just don't do that kind of thing. You know, it's just not what I do. But it is a great way for us to learn those who do, how they do it. Yeah. So if you've ever been curious, because Blake, on top of everything, the way you wrote this book, coming as a from an ESL person, it, it just rolls rolls off the mouth, so to speak. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, you can you can read it. It's is I'm not saying simplistic, but it's not a complicated terminology type of thing. So <clears throat> excuse me. If you ever were curious about necromancy or working with uh, skulled animals, and even I think, in my opinion, and and please let me know if this is correct, even the rituals can stand alone. Like even if you don't work yeah. with animal skulls, some of these rituals can stand alone for other kind of work. Was that intended or? Yeah, kind of. Um, it, it definitely was. So, like, I, I fully realized writing it that no one is, well, I shouldn't say no one, but very few people are going to actually go from step one through step, I think I have, like, what, 12 or 13 total chapters in the book, um, and follow the rituals in order. Like, I don't, like, that's, I don't think, like, that was my practice. I don't expect it to be duplicated 100%. And additionally, um, you know, coming into the shop, lots of people already had skulls that they had established their own sort of spirits and working relationships with on their own. And I'm like, that's fantastic. Do it. Like you already have the skull, you have the spirit, you have everything. You can use the rituals as they are at that point. And you don't need to go through like the preliminary work, the the petition to the spirits of the forest to find a skull or the ritual of cleansing of the skull. Like you just don't have to, because you already did all of that pre-work um, like on your own, you know? So yeah, in that regard, the, um, the 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 rituals can totally be used um on on their own absolutely and you know i told you like this was like the the virgin book right to see if we could even publish a book so um we are i am in the process of updating this book and it's going to be divided into two sections um the major workings which is the the working of um you know putting a spirit in the skull finding the skull and um just kind of building that relationship with the spirit and the skull. And then the minor workings, which, you know, minor does not necessarily mean less powerful, right? But the minor workings, um, which are rituals and spells that are intended to act as standalone, that use the spell as, or the skull as the focal point for the spell itself, as opposed to the spirit. Um, So that's pretty cool. It draws off of like various aspects of like folklore and stuff like that to help create these. So. I love it. (coughs) I love the the book. I think it's a great book for me. Your uh, maiden voyage, as so they they will say, um, and to be the first one for the publishing company. I love it. Like I said, I is just not my thing. I have a skull. Yeah, that came to me on the weirdest way possible. Last year, I interviewed uh, Christopher Hughes about uh, Mary Lewitt. Yep. And the next day, I kid you not, I was working at a shop that has a huge painting of Mary Lewitt. And the following day, a person gifted me a horse's skull, yeah, <laughs> which is wrapped on a red uh, piece of uh, fabric 
and put away because what I learned from Christopher Hughes is that we usually will need uh, male energy to bring in the um, spirit of Mary Lewitt because if you bring it with a female energy, it's too strong. And so the skull is there, put away. Yep. And I was, as I was reading your book, how I instinctively wrap it on a cloth, I was like, hmm, it's, it's instinct, right? And I wouldn't do the the spirit, you know, because that skull for me is, is Mary Louis. So yeah. it's waiting for the right place, for the right time, for the right person. Mm, now that I'm looking at you, I'm thinking maybe you can bring the Mary Louis to it <laughs> on the next oh, well, Thank you for thinking that I am manly. Most people don't. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> maybe, maybe, we, maybe we can do something for uh, winter. Blink. Maybe. That would be, yeah. I would, be, so. I would totally be down for that. Well, and it's funny though. Like, I feel like this is the second time a horse skull has like claimed itself. Like in our shop, we, um, we ethically sourced a horse skull for sale. Um, a couple, like maybe two years ago or a year and a half ago at this point. And we had every intention of making this available for sale in the shop, but people just started coming in and leaving the skull like coins. They would start stroking the skull and like asking it for things. And like, there was like this weird, like following of the skull that we had in our shop. And we're like, well, we can't get rid of this skull now. Like everyone loves it. So, you know, we, we took the price tag off and now people will come up and they'll stroke the skull while asking it for luck or asking it for a favor or whatever the case might be. They'll still leave their little offerings of coins or dollar bills, which of course, you know, we're all going to, we'll donate to charity when the time is right. Um, but yeah, like the, what is it with the horse's skull? Like it's the second one that was like, nope, I'm staying right here. <laughs> yeah. They have, um, I guess when one is open, they have an energy of, of their own. You yeah. Know? And I love how you mentioned also in the book that a lot of people might have already stumbled into a skull and have a relationship with it that can be enhanced. But one of, I just love you so much. Um, <laughs> one of the other things that I love about the book is like every ship, like every relationship, it has a beginning and it could if needed have an end and yeah. i love 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 how you speak about releasing the skull releasing the spirit yeah it's I'm important like, right like um i mean even if you look at the old witch folklore there there are stories of witches getting their familiars from the devil and these familiars were not guaranteed for life in some stories they were but in some cases the witch lost the familiar once the relationship had waned once they got everything they could and um it's foolish to think that our relationship with the spirit world can't evolve or in some cases end just like everything else but if you look at the last rites that i gave for the skull like it's it's very um it's not mean it's not oh vanquish the spirit in eternal fire like it's very like all right I'm, I'm letting you go thank you for everything that you've done um let's leave the skull free and clear and then we can start anew and and that's the one where you kind of like have to retrieve it in the morning from the graveyard after you bear like it's 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 a very moving ritual um i will say though that up by me um the cemeteries they don't close <laughs> they don't even have gates so you can walk in at all hours of the night so always you know never break in always check with your local laws and follow the rules and stuff like that but um but uh but yeah it's it's important hey, for somebody who grew up catholic and this is probably the stupidest question ever but i have to ask 
how respectful or disturbing would be for a person to do workings in a cemetery for the spirits that dwell on the cemetery? Is is that like how do you go yeah. about that ethically? So great. Great question. So this is one of the reasons that I um, I started studying like pre-Wiccan witchcraft. Um, if you look at a lot of um, witchcraft, you know, pre-1940s, 1950s, um, a lot of the old folk traditions, and this is mainly coming from like the, the European um, folkloric witchcraft, which is, you know, what Wiccan and I immerse ourselves in, a lot of it is very heavily influenced by um, Christianity. Um, you, in fact, a lot of the folk spells that you see end in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? So there's a lot of intermingling between Christianity and in witchcraft. And it is my belief that the reason you see this is because when a lot of these old cunning men, cunning women, the, the village uh, wise women and wise men, the ones who were like, like selling their spells and their charms and their potions as a way to survive. Now, keep in mind, I don't think they were always referring to themselves as witches because to do that in the 1600s, I mean, that would, you know, not the smartest thing to do, but we know we have history that people were working with herbs and prescribing herbs to heal themselves, you know, and if we, if we take a look at a lot of those, they had to adapt their chants and their spells to the belief structure of the client they were serving. And 99.9% .9 of the time, the belief structure of the client they were serving was Christian. Right. So that's why you see, like, I mean, so much um, magic, like influenced by Christianity. Gemma Gary actually put together the Charmer Psalter, um, which is a beautiful little book um, from her publishing company, Troy Books, that talks about um, that incorporates the Psalms for magical uses. You know, like you have a Psalm for cursing, a Psalm for drawing love, a Psalm for for healing. And it's a wonderful way that illustrates how these these Christian folk traditions can be worked into traditional and magical practices. Absolutely. And I love how you talk about the uh, Gospel of Aradia, where uh, the, the saint, or in this case, Diana, is held against their will until they uh, comply with the will of the petitioner. And that happens a lot in Catholic traditions in Mexico. Um, the most traditional one is putting a saint I can't remember. I think it's St. Peter, but I can't remember because I'm no burst on that kind of magic. Um, but you put it upside down until yeah. it brings you the love of your life. Yep. And then once you are in a relationship, then the saint can go right side up. So it's not new. Yeah, that's and, a good point. Yeah. Yeah. But what you're doing with the skull is not that. That is, uh, I'm, and I'm going to say this uh, tongue in cheek. This is a consenting relationship. Like nobody yes. is using anybody. All parties yeah. are consenting to this. You know, as yeah. soon as when the saint is put upside down, it's like. Well, yeah, that's, I forgot about that. Even like uh, in the grimoire traditions, like if you look at some of the old conjurations and like the key of Solomon and stuff like that, they talk about um, threatening the spirits to manifest. Otherwise you will like kill them. Like what the, f who are you that you think you can. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Like, come on. <laughs> I love you know, it. So. <laughs> so I love it. And of course, this book is uh, available, of course, at the Malloway Brothers. Uh, if it's not on your local bookstore, call the Malloway Brothers. And otherwise, you can buy it on the big bad wolf called, you know, the one online. 
Um, yeah, it's a, it, it is available on Amazon. It's available at our um, at Malloway Bros. You can also get it at crossprobooks.com if you're listening from um, elsewhere. We, we ship all over the world. So, yeah. And I will always remind people if you need to buy stuff from Amazon, go to Amazon Smile and choose the charity of your liking. And some of your purchases will be donated to that charity. And now we're going to flip into. You have a publishing company, friend. We Tell do. <laughs> we do. Um, Crossed Crow Books. Um, and uh, this is a, Wick and I started this a year ago, you know, just over a year ago. And we are shook at how, like, fast it, the crow has taken off. Um, it's it's literally just insane. You know, we, we moved into um, our offices. We have... Um, a few full-time employees now, um, and it's just incredible how fast everything has exploded. Um, but yeah, we started Cross Crow Books for a couple reasons. A, we were frustrated at the fact that, you know, we were referring titles to people that would come into our shop, and the titles would be out of print, or they wouldn't be available for order. Um well, this is irritating. Like, I, I want to refer this book, but it went out of print with the publisher like 20 years ago, so it's not available. Oh, the author's still alive, and copies of their book are now selling for 10, 15, 20, 30 times the original list price, and the author gets nothing from that. Um, so that was pretty crappy. But um, that, you know, some that was like part of the motivation for us really wanting to um, to really get crossed crow books going. And um, the, the reception has been, you know, knock on wood, you know, good so far. Um, we just had a uh, meeting with our folks and um, 2023 alone, we have 28 titles in production. Um, I think our first year of operation, we got about 15 to market. Um, and we're already starting to work on our pipeline for 2024. So it's just been incredible. Congratulations. I am so happy for you because I know I know how hard you work, but I know also how much you love working hard. Yes. And, <laughs> and this is something that uh, Blake and I have talked in private a lot about how the so-called workaholics get a bad rep, but we get shit done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Right. Like we're, 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 I mean, literally that's what it's about. Like we get a lot of stuff done. Um, and, uh, you know, we're really trying to be author centric. We're trying to be people focused. Like that's really what we're trying to do. Um, and I, I think we've done, um, I'm not saying we're perfect, right? Like there's always, always room for improvement, but like I've been told we've got pretty competitive or pretty aggressive, like royalty structures for our writers. Um, we have, um, a dedicated team like i mean from design to editing to typesetting like cover we we pull the author in for every aspect of it and they really have a say in um how their book's gonna look and um you know we do offer like three editions for our books um there's the unlimited paperback which is available for every title all over the planet um the special limited edition hardcovers um these are i, I wish i had an example i want to show you here um usually bound in um like a like either a faux leather or like a cloth, you know, with the foil stamping on the cover. They're always like limited to up to 200 copies, hand numbered and stuff like that. And then 
two to three books per year we release in legacy editions. And these are no more than 10 copies. And they're the ones that are all hand bound. Um, they have the raised spines and um, they're just, they're gorgeous. We're, we're actually in the, about to release the pre-sale for Celtic Tree Mysteries by Steve Belermes, which is um, going into legacy edition as well. So, I mean, the book, they're just beautiful tomes. I'm so happy for you. And I'm so happy that y'all are being so fair with your authors that the authors are involved because that is what we hear more um, with authors of other frustration. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm obviously not going to name names or, or you know, because that's not what you do. But, <coughs> excuse me. But I've heard, you know, of authors that said, you know, I wrote this book and then I have no control yeah. of what happens with it. And that is frustrating and for people who have this wonderful ability to be able to tell a story through a book and teach us, uh, yeah. I think it's fair to be fair. And yeah. especially with artists whom are alive, you know, because everybody wants to make rich the dead guy. Like the dead guy don't need the money. The one that is yeah. alive is the one that needs the money. Buy art from living artists, please. Yeah, no, no kidding. Um, yeah, definitely. And I think, uh, you know, there's been times too where an author has requested something that we know is going to impact sales for their title, like in not necessarily a, a good way, like in a negative way. You're like, hey, if you want to do this, like this is the potential results from a sales standpoint, right? Um, and usually when you pitch things like that, like you, you literally treat them like a civilized person and they're so cooperative. They're so grateful. I will say we have some writers who are like, yep, I don't care. Just let me know when it goes into pre-sale. And we're like, okay, <laughs> if you really don't want to be a part of it in any way, shape or form, uh, that's your choice, I guess. But um, we're, we're giving you the option to. Yeah. And I guess that's valid, right? If you are a person, like I would, if I wrote a book and I seek your counsel, I'd be like, here's the book, like do what you want. <laughs> I don't know nothing about nothing, you know, and I trust you. And, yeah. and what I want to emphasize is I've known people that know their thing and work and make money. And then I know Blake. <laughs> so <laughs> I will be like, here's my book, honey, do with it, whatever you will, because I know you will make it, you, you will turn it into, into coin. Well, thank um, you. So time is flying because that's what happens when you're having fun. We are yes. just about to uh, go to the hour. Uh, this show is going to have a song. I, You better believe I'm going to play a song at the end of the show. So stay tuned for, at the end of the show, we're going to listen to Celia Farad, Queen of the Bones. Of course, we're going to listen to the Queen of the Bones. Um, the the Crone Collects the Bones, I think, or the Crone, Crone Collects Bones. I can't remember the name of the, of the song anymore, but it's the perfect song for this show because it talks about the bones of animals and magic and the craft. Blake, is there anything that I haven't asked you today that you absolutely need to tell people who are listening to the show? No, um, just, you know, give us a follow on our social or come check out our shop. If you're in Chicago, Malloway Bros, we're in, in Rogers Park. Um, yeah, and, uh, and that's it. Check Malloway Bros. If you're in Chicago, check the Cross Crow books online. Stay tuned for amazing uh, titles that are coming and my dear friend this was a long time coming yeah <laughs> thank you and a personal note i have to say thank you for the trust of holding the new moons at the by the way bros 
and thank you for the trust of uh, being part of your psychic people that goes there and reads tarot. And, of course. And thank you to you and Wick for being such wonderful humans. And to our listeners, thank you so much for being here today. Uh, in CSMP and Circle Center in Network Podcast, we have over 900 hours of podcasts that you can download, listen, and share. And we are on iTunes, Tunis, uh, Spotify, and all places that you can get your podcasts. Just to remind you, uh, Circle of Nature, the third, third Wednesday of the month with Selena Fox. Um, Blue Marble with Charlotte Bear on the third Friday of the month. The first and third Tuesday of the month, we have Circle Talk with Deborah Rose. Paganos del Mundo on Spanish and Portuguese, produced by yours truly uh, every Saturday. And of course, every other Monday, we have moved to the second and fourth Monday of the month with Lunatic Mondays. I announced this already last week, but I want to reiterate to people, uh, Lunatic Mondays has gone through a transition. I am not doing a podcast on Spanish anymore on, on Lunes Lunaticos. Does not, I mean, the recordings exist, but I'm not producing anymore. Lunes Lunaticos, uh, I have been so honored to be um, named the manager of the station, which comes with some other duties. And because of that, I moved to only do two podcasts a month. And of course, I had to have my great friend, Blake, on the second one for January. So thank you so much, Blake, for being thank here. You. And I leave you the microphone so you can say goodnight to your audience tonight. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you all so much for, for dialing in. I hope to see you guys at the shop soon. And have a good rest of your week. And to everybody, never forget that you are loved. Bye-bye.
She lives in the woods all alone. She gathers roots and flowers because she knows their sacred powers. She has the gift of sight. She will see you through your darkest night. slots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time no lucky land casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry in that case i pronounce you lucky play for free at luckylandslots.com daily bonuses are waiting no purchase necessary void were prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details